I'm Victoria Doherty, and welcome to the cold. Cold is the way revenge is best served, the way a war was fought, and the way a story should be told. And most every week in the cold, we talk about story in all of its forms, in all of its manifestations, what it means to us, the stories we read, the stories we create in our fantasies the stories we write if we are so inclined we talk about family lore and the importance of story in our lives and this week i want to talk about the story of my home which i've i've talked about a little bit um in the cold uh just in terms of how old our home is it's nearly 200 years old and um well, it's got a lot of stories, and well, just even how we got to this home is quite a story. I mean, <laughs> the first time I saw the house we call home, I honestly thought I might kill my husband. We had moved across across country, I mean, from San Francisco to Virginia, in order to live this quieter life, you know, a life our children could look back on as being filled with memories of small town wonder. And this was in the years, well, just before iPhones and such came out. So we were a little ahead of the curve of kind of trying to get them off um, off the screens, shall we say. But um, anyway, you know, we wanted them to be playing in streams and catching crawdads and taking hay rides. And we imagined them huddling by a wood-burning stove after a snowstorm. After years of hipster restaurants and glittering to-dos, you know, we looked forward to doing the uncool things like Christmas caroling and knowing our neighbors well enough that we could just drop by any old time just to say hello or like ask to borrow a a good cup of gin. Now I'd had a baby only a couple of months prior to our move so I hadn't been part of the whole house hunting process. Um, I'd left that solely in the hands of my husband. Confident by the way that he and I shared the same sensibility a love of the very old or the ultra-modern and with little room for in-between. You know, we both had an appreciation of nooks and crannies and imperfections or a vision. We longed for a home with story and a sense of style all its own or a place where we could invent the story ourselves. Such is the pathology of writers, at least these two writers. We are people of romance, not utility. And we don't like to keep up with the Joneses so much. I mean, to quote my husband, Jack, this was during the time when he was um, looking for a house. He said, I just can't live in a place where I could see myself standing by a pool and giving a recent graduate advice to go into plastics um, the way uh, Dustin Hoffman's character got that advice in the movie The Graduate. Now, I should preface this with 
by saying that, you know, we'd always done well with our choices before, being exactly on the same page. Um, you know, when we bought a loft condo converted from an old automotive factory or rented a shabby chic Victorian flat. And before we left San Francisco, we almost purchased a plot of land ready for a, a, a like a prefab house that would ultimately have been made of wood and concrete. So as we plotted our radical change of address from California to Virginia, you know, Jack would send me pictures of this house he'd found, which I had to admit looked really good. In his emails, he swore up and down about how much I was going to love our new place, and I was so on board. The painted brick of our proposed home, you know, I loved that. The large shaker-inspired windows, well, those all showed tremendous promise. I almost said process, but it showed a lot of process, too. I love that the structure paid homage to its geography with four white columns and a big front porch begging for a couple of rockers. But then upon closer look, it had the austerity of a post office. I mean, the place just screamed Southern Gothic. And it's historic, my husband said, which is true, as I told you. It'll accommodate us as our kids grow and we have more children. That was also true. It's got magic, sweetheart. Trust me. Now that was the part I had a hard time with a few weeks later as I stood staring at a gloomy and ancient brick house that looked more suitable for the Adams family. To add a sour cherry on top of this gloppy, half-melted Sunday, our new house sat about a softball's throw from an active, although not prolifically so, single railroad track. I can't say that it looked nothing like its photographs, but it definitely had the quality of an aging actor seen up close. All of a sudden, you'd pick up what the camera didn't, you know, what good lighting obscured, like the hair dye and the pancake makeup and the dentures and too many attempts at plastic surgery. I love it, I said, swallowing really hard. He was so excited and there was no way I was going to burst his bubble, especially since we'd already secured financing. So that night, The first time a train came in, right around midnight, and it felt like it was thundering right through my forehead, I actually went into the bathroom and cried. We knew we'd like y'all, our neighbors told us. Only special people would buy your house. (laughs) Special? (laughs) At least when I was growing up, special was a word used to describe kids who were different but not in a good way. Kids who were weird were special. Kids who had disabilities were special. They rode on a separate bus and ate at a separate table off to the side during lunch. And now we were special. We lived in a special house. One that, like the trains, 
was going to take some getting used to. The tall, tall ceilings and oddly shaped rooms, some oblong, some square and huge, still others teeny tiny like prayer rooms. The heat would grind, the floors would creak for no good reason, even when no one was stepping on them. A family of snakes even made their home in our basement. And we were told this was a good thing because it keeps the rodent population down. But after about a week, the lone coal train that would come through in the middle of the night stopped waking me up. And lo and behold, rather than waking our kids up, that train actually put them to sleep. Whenever they started crying the way children under two are apt to do, Jack and I would check the clock to see if the train was coming anytime soon. And if it was, cha-ching! We knew that by the time its hard-stepping lullaby was finished, they would be fast asleep. I figured this was a sign. A sign that I should maybe give our new house a chance before I began slowly planting the seeds that we ought to be looking for a different place. A converted barn, perhaps. We'd always wanted one of those. So, about 10 days into living in our new home, I picked up my camera and went from room to room taking photographs of each space and all the details I liked. The antique tin ceilings, the original pine floors spotted with coal burns and oil drum rings, the handmade flat-headed nails that held the place together. And most importantly for me, the way the light moved through the house as the day progressed. I began to revel in the natural beauty that, you know, that really does just surround us. I mean, these, the long walks on a country railroad provide some of the most sublime back views of our county. At night, during the spring and summer, bats flutter around the moon like it's a bug light, while local foxes scream blood-curdling mating calls. The place did have potential. Even if I couldn't wrap my head around when or how, with a bunch of little babies crawling around, not to mention the expense, we were ever going to fulfill that potential. I mean, it's not like either of us had the time or skills to fix her up on our own. It's funny though about dreams, about taking on more than you think you can handle. It's a tender process that you have to surrender to bit by bit. You learn to fix the things that need fixing or find someone who can do it for you. You learn to work with the place instead of fighting against it. Know what you do when you've got a problem in an old house, said our neighbor whose home is even older than ours. Ignore it. Usually goes away on its own. 
I started to imagine colors on the country trim that frame our doors and windows, you know, rich colors like moss greens and chocolates and creams and faded reds. We realized that if we knocked one wall down, we would double the size of our living room. We made chimneys work. How about if we blow off the ceiling in our bedroom and expose the original wood beams? My husband suggested when we were finally doing our bedroom. Just so, we began to execute to the structure's potential instead of complaining about its shortcomings. We started to celebrate the glorious layers of past, present, and future that made up our home. And in the process, our house became as much a part of our dreams as our work, our family, our love. And we wanted to do right by her, respect the relationship our house had and continues to have with the community at large. Because around here, everybody seems to have a story about her. If not them, then their dad or their grandmother or their Uncle Louie. And we want our time, our time here in this house, to leave behind a story or two as well. So we do our part. While historically, we were never much into Christmas bedazzling, at least on the outside of our house, um, we made sure to screw green and red light bulbs into our porch lights outside every year. And we did this mostly for the train conductors because there's nobody across the street from our house. We're the only house on, a, on the dead end road. Um, but, you know, these guys always blare their horns um, and, and especially used to do that in salute to our kids who would jump and wave at them when, we were, when they were little. And um, when our son was really little, the conductors would even let him sit in the, in the caboose, excuse me, when it was time for a shift change. And then as that kid got older and was not so little anymore, oh God, he mooned them at least a half a dozen times and they were awfully good sports about that. As we've become the stewards of the long road of memories made here, we've come to understand how a place too can be a living thing. There is a magnetic quality to this house that not only lured us to it, but it's kept us here. And it is as, as tangible as the unmistakable something that draws us to a friend or a lover or a calling. Sometimes we have cursed how this old broad seemed to hold us captive. And other times, most of the time, we've thanked the powers that be for letting us stay. But whatever the case, I've been forced to reconsider my initial reaction to this place and embrace my husband's instincts. So in that roar, roar, a roar, a roar too, but in that rare moment in a marriage, I actually found myself saying to him, I was wrong. Yes, I was unequivocally wrong, and you were right. This place does indeed have magic. 
as we endeavor to finally fix up the outside of the house, as we've mostly finished the inside, that magic continues. And I look at this place and I see how much this house is a symbol for our novel writing because, oh my God, each novel or series is like a house that you're building. And the parallels are just, well, they're just so alike. Um, the dream, the all the times you nearly give up, the missteps, and then finally watching it all come together over often a long period of time. So anyway, I did want to share that with you, and I hope it's something that um, that has brought meaning to your lives this week. Um, I don't, you know, the usual links will be in um, in the show notes. And I so look forward to next week. And in the meantime, I do hope, my friends, that you will stay cold.